good morning. This is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful fall day, and we're really thrilled to have you. I want to welcome those who are watching online and those who are watching by TV and all of those at our other campuses. We're really thrilled that you're here. I don't know about you. I like to go to movies. I don't go to many, but I'm pretty picky, but I do like to go to movies. Have you ever watched a scene in a film that was just so memorable or so moving that it just stays with you forever. It's one of those scenes you could watch over and over and over. You know, for, for some of you, this will date some of you, but maybe it's that final scene in Gone with the Wind, right? Where, you know, Rhett Butler looks at Scarlett O'Hare and says, frankly, my dear, I don't, and you remember the rest of it, okay? You remember what he said. Or uh, it, maybe it's that blood-soaked beach in uh, Saving Pri- Private Ryan when they were showing the D-Day invasion. Or maybe it's that haunting scene of Jack and Rose on the bow of the Titanic when they know the ship is about to sink and they're about to part ways forever. Well, for me, there's a scene from an iconic movie, and when I mention the movie, you're probably going to know which scene it is. It's one of those scenes I can just watch over and over and over and over. Had one of the greatest lines in movie history, and the movie is called A Few Good Men. And it was nominated for Best Picture in 1992. You probably already know the scene that I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, it is a classic. And the reason why I love this scene is because what I'm talking about today, and I think it's something that speaks to where we are as a culture today, so I want you to watch this. Colonel Jessup, did you order the Code Red? You don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled to You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I love that. Every time I watch it, you can't handle the truth! Teresa says that to me a lot, by the way. Um, We're living today in a culture that can't handle the truth. Matter of fact, in a lot of cases, we mishandle the truth. We mismanage the truth. And by the way, that's true even when it comes to the church. 80% of Americans agree with this statement. Listen to this. An individual should arrive at his or her own religious beliefs independent of any church or synagogue. The author of this study concluded that the most fundamental belief in American culture is that moral truth, whatever's right and whatever's wrong, is whatever we think it is, whatever we believe it is. So what's right is right if I think it's right for me, and what is right is right for you if you think it's right for you. So our culture has no problem with a God of love who supports us regardless of how we live or conduct ourselves, but there's no room for a God who punishes people for wrong beliefs or wrong behavior. So we're in this series that we're calling Balanced. If you're a guest of ours at one of our campuses today, we're in a series that we're calling Balanced. And what we're saying is that both churches and followers of Jesus ought to be balanced between two things, grace and truth. And this is not our idea. It's not something we came up with. This idea actually is based on uh, something a disciple named John observed about a man he spent three years of his life with, namely the greatest man who ever lived. His name was Jesus. And after spending three years with him, as John was writing his biography of Jesus and looking back on his life, he said this about Jesus in John 1.14. He said, Jesus was someone who came from the Father full of grace and truth. He said, one of the things that amazed me about Jesus that I've never seen anybody in my life was here was a man who could be full of grace and full of truth at the same time. 
And so last week, if you were here, we looked at an incident in the life of Jesus where he was full of grace. And just to kind of by way of review, you remember it was a situation that called for grace because the person who came to him looking for grace was in fact a prostitute. She was a, a streetwalker, and she already knew the truth of what she was. She didn't need truth. She needed the grace that only Jesus could give her. So we looked at a Jesus of grace last week. Today, we're going to look at a Jesus of truth. We're going to delve into a conversation that Jesus had uh, with some people who needed to hear the truth about truth. If you want to look on with me today, if you have a copy of God's Word or you want to look on your iPad or your smartphone, whatever you're using, we're in John chapter 8. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They're in the New Testament. We're in John chapter 8. Now, we're going to look at a very small part of a very long conversation. We don't have time to go into long, this, this real long conversation. But Jesus was talking not just to his disciples. He was talking to a group called the Pharisees. And he was giving this long discourse about several uh, items, but we're just going to look at just two sentences because in these two sentences, Jesus gives us a book full of truth about truth. We're in John chapter 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my Disciples. That's a very important statement we'll come back to in just a moment. If you will, if you hold to my disciples, you're really my disciples, then you will know, and this is a very important word, the truth. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, Jesus just told us something about truth. He said, Now there's something called a truth. There's truth that you would call a truth. And then there is the truth. There is truth with a little t, and then there's truth with a big t. You say, what's the difference? Well, there is an earthly truth that is true, but it's not life-changing. Two plus two equals four. That's an earthly truth. It will not change your life. But there is such a thing as eternal truth that is so powerful, it can change you forever. It can take a person from darkness to, to, to light and from death to life. As a matter of fact, I want to take you back to your school days. You may remember when you took math, you may recall that there are certain numbers that are known as prime numbers. Everybody remember what a prime number is? A prime number is a number that is divisible only by itself and the number one. Now, if you remember your math, there's only one even prime number. That's pretty easy to figure out. What is it? Two, right? Two is the only even prime number. Every other prime number is an odd number. That's why they're called prime numbers. Well, just like that, Jesus is telling us there are certain truths that are what we would call prime truths. They, they, they're true for everybody, everywhere, at all times. Now, there are a lot of things that believers can disagree on, and we do. I want to make something very plain. I do not expect anybody in this church to always agree with me on everything. Uh, if we did, one of us is not needed, right? So I get that. I'm not perfect. I'm not always right. I sometimes make mistakes. And so I don't expect you to agree with me, you know, and get in lockstep on everything that I necessarily, necessarily believe. And there's a lot of things that believers can disagree on, and, and we do. And by the way, people say, why do you have so many denominations? Because there are a lot of 
little truths, at least in, in some cases that we disagree on. But then there are some big truths that we disagree on. But there are prime truths, Jesus said, over which there can meet, be no division. Because if you and I divide over a prime truth, then one of us is either disregarding the truth or one of us is disobeying the truth. Because what Jesus said about truth tells us three things we must always do with truth. And I want to share those with you today. Jesus said, number one, we must affirm the truth. We must affirm the truth. If you're going to relate to truth the right way, we must affirm the truth. Let's go back and listen carefully to what Jesus said. He said, then you will know the truth. He didn't just say you'll know truth. He didn't just say you'll know a truth. He said, you will know the truth. In other words, Jesus said, there is truth that's absolute. There is truth that is unchanging. There is truth that you can't bend. There is truth that is real. There is truth that you and I can know. There is truth that's not a social construct. It's not subject to the whims of different thinking at different times and different ages. Jesus said, there are truths that are true for everyone, everywhere, at every place, at every time, and you can know this truth. Now, I'm gonna tell you something that may surprise you. If you ask people today that know anything about Jesus, so, so why did Jesus come into the world? Well, the first answer they'll give you is, well, he came because of sin. We needed salvation. He came to be the Savior. So he came because of sin. That's true. But that's not the only reason Jesus came into this world. I want to show you something Jesus said, and I bet you've never noticed it before. I'd never really noticed it before. It was when Jesus was standing before Pontius Pilate, you know, right before he was uh, about to be crucified. And in talking to Pontius Pilate, I want you to listen to what Jesus said. He said, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world, now this is what Jesus said himself. He said, let me tell you why I left heaven and came to earth. Let me tell you why I was born of that Virgin Mary. Let me tell you why I'm standing here right now. I came to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Well, I'm begging a question right now. Okay, there is such a thing as the truth. There is truth that never changes. There is truth that's not subject to the whims of, you know, whatever the popular idea of the day is. But here's the big question we have not answered. So where do you find the truth? Well, again, we don't have to wonder because Jesus said in a later chapter in John chapter 17, sanctify them by the truth. He said, your word is truth. Now, this is what Jesus said about this book I'm holding right now. He said, this book we call God's word is the ultimate absolute truth for everybody, everywhere, at every time, in any age. And think about it, it has to be. Because if this is the word of God, then it's what God says. And what God says is truth because God cannot lie. Now, this is, you really need to hear this. God does not say something because it is true. A thing is true because God says it. God doesn't say it because it's true. A thing is true because God says it. Now, let me tell you why that's important, okay? If there is no such thing as an unchanging truth from an unchanging God, then lasting morality is impossible because without an unchanging standard of truth that comes from an unchanging God, guess what happens to right and wrong? It just becomes a matter of personal opinion. 
So what you think is right, right for you. What I think is right, right for me. What you think is wrong, wrong for you. What you think is wrong, is wrong for me. We can agree agree to disagree because there is no one right for everybody and there is no one wrong for everybody. However, if something is morally right, it has to be morally right for everyone. If something is morally wrong, it must be morally wrong for everyone for this reason. If ultimate truth comes from God, if ultimate truth comes from God, and that's what Jesus said, then ultimate truth can never change because God never changes. If truth comes from God, it can never be untruthful because God can't lie. If truth comes from God, then truth can never be wrong because God is never wrong. However, if we can manipulate the truth however we wish, our truth is whatever we believe is true, then guess what? What's right today can be wrong tomorrow. And what's wrong tomorrow uh, to, uh, 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 today can be right tomorrow. Right and wrong can just change just like that. And we've seen that happen in our culture in the last 30 years at a rocket pace rate. It was wrong 30 years ago to have this. It's not wrong today. It was wrong 30 years ago to do this. It's not wrong today. I'm reminded of a story I was reading the other day, true story about Albert Einstein. And he was teaching a a physics class. And so he was giving a physics exam. And after he handed out the exam, a student raised his hand and he said, yes, sir. He said, Dr. Einstein. He said, "Uh, the questions on this year's exam are the same questions from last year's exam. And Dr. Einstein said, that's okay. This year, the answers are different. Now, what is truly truth never changes. Absolute truth, truth that is absolute never becomes obsolete. Did you hear that? Truth that is absolute never becomes obsolete. Now, it may be out of fashion. You may not like it. It may be out of favor. It goes against the grain of the way you're living. It may be out of friends, but it's never out of date. Truth is always true no matter what century it is. Time has no effect on truth. What was absolutely true in 1017 is absolutely true in 2017. Because truth is not only unending, it is also universal. Whatever is ultimately true, whatever is truth that comes from God, is not just true yesterday, today, and forever. It's true for you. It's true for me. It's true for everyone, everywhere. I read the other day, there was a granddaughter and she was t- trying to teach her granddaughter some, some, moral, uh, you know, some moral lessons. And she said, now, she's telling her granddaughter, she says, now, honey, she says, one thing you must always do, you must always be honest. You must always tell the truth. And the little girl got a puzzled look on her face and she said, is there something you don't understand? And here's what she said. She said, Nana, I know it's wrong to tell the truth. I know that. But is it okay if you give the truth an extreme makeover? Now, that's the culture we're living in today. We've given truth an extreme makeover. Here's the problem. Truth that is made over is just lie with a lot of makeup. That's all. Truth that is made over is just a lie with a lot of makeup. But here's why. Because without truth, morality becomes a moving target that no one can hit. But you know what? There's another problem. If there's no such thing as truth that never changes, not only can you not have morality, not only can you have an an unending standard of what's right and what's wrong, you cannot even have justice 
if there's no such thing as unchanging truth. How many of you, just out of curiosity, have ever had to testify in a court of law? Just raise your hand. Okay. I have. You can imagine, as a pastor, I've had to testify several times on more than one occasion. You know what? Every time I put my hand on a Bible, here's what I say. I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Now, I'll ask you a question. Why does it matter whether I tell the truth or not? What, what, what's, what, I mean, what's the big deal? Real simple. Without truth, there can be no justice. Without truth, there can be no fair trial. Why? Because justice is based on truth that never changes. So the point is, there is truth that corresponds to reality. There is reality that corresponds to truth. So what is really true and what is truly real is really true and truly real for everyone all the time. That's why we must affirm the truth. Then Jesus said this, it's not enough to affirm the truth. It's not enough to say, yeah, I know there's certain truth out there that's always true everywhere, every time, at every place. You got to go another step. Number two, we must accept the truth. It's one thing to affirm it. It's another thing to accept it. So Jesus said, you will know the truth. Now, you wouldn't know this just reading in, in, in English, but what that word means, it doesn't just mean to know the truth in your head. He doesn't use the word for head knowledge. He uses the word for hot knowledge, heart knowledge. He said, it's not enough to know truth in your head. You've got to accept truth into your heart. And by the way, this is where the real battle begins because it's one thing to affirm truth in your head. It's another thing to accept truth in your heart. That's where the battle is raging in our culture today, and I'm going to prove it to you. I don't have to tell you that the buzzword today in our culture is not truth. There's a word, but it start, and it starts with a T, but it's not truth. The buzzword in our culture today is not truth. The buzzword in our culture is tolerance. There is nothing worse you can be called than to be called intolerant. I mean, it, it, you just don't want that to happen. We're being told today we ought to be tolerant of the actions of others even if we believe they're morally wrong. We're being told today we must be tolerant of the attitudes of others even if we think they're socially destructive. And we're being told today we must be tolerant of the assertions anyone makes even if we can prove that those assertions are absolutely wrong according to truth. Now, before I go any further, let me make something very, very plain. When it comes to the way we treat people personally, when it comes to the way we interact with I'm talking about people that don't like us. I'm talking about people that don't agree with us. I'm talking about people that can't stand us. I'm talking about people that have no use for this Bible or truth or Jesus or anything else. We should never be intolerant. We should never be bigoted. We should never be mean-spirited. I want to make that plain. Everybody got that? I'm not talking about people. Yes, we should be tolerant of other people. But I want to read something to you about from a man that most of you have never heard of. I remember, I, I, I remember back when I was a kid, I'd heard a little bit about him. His name was Bishop Fulton Sheen. You talk to any Catholic today, he'll tell you who Bishop Sheen was. Bishop Sheen, there was a time in the 20th century when Bishop Sheen was more popular than the Pope. 
He was as well known as the Pope. He had a radio program. He had a TV ministry that was watched by 30 million people at the height of his fame. He was the leading Catholic theologian of his day. Bishop Sheen wrote something. I want you to listen to what he wrote. This is so good. Listen to this. He said, tolerance applies only to persons, but never to truth. Intolerance applies only to truth, but never to persons. Tolerance applies to the erring, intolerance to the error. Couldn't agree more. Bullseye, nails it, right? Tolerance applies to persons, not to truth. Intolerance applies to truth, not to persons. It applies to the erring, intolerance to the error, okay? But I want you to listen to what else he said because he really tightens the screws. He said, tolerance applies only to persons, but never to truth or principles. Now listen. About these things, we must be intolerant. What he meant by that is we must be intolerant when it comes to truth or principles. Right is right if nobody is right. And wrong is wrong if everybody is wrong. In this day and age, we need not a church that is right when the world is right, but a church that is right when the world is wrong. You know when he wrote those words? 1931, 86 years ago. If Bishop Sheen were alive today, I don't think he'd be really surprised that principled conviction has been replaced by political correctness. The truth of the matter is that truth has been silenced by the muzzle of intolerance. People are afraid to speak the truth because we might be accused of being intolerant. And yet, Intolerance can be a great thing. As a matter of fact, let me challenge you on something. There are certain areas of life we better be intolerant if we're even going to survive. I'll give you an illustration. I learned this when I took chemistry. There is no room for tolerance in the chemical laboratory. I mean, I, let me be honest with you. There are certain formulas when you're mixing certain chemicals. There are certain formulas you better follow rigorously or you will blow your school up. There's no room for tolerance in mathematics. Whether you're an engineer at NASA or you're an architect of a building, you better have your calculus perfect. You better have your trigonometry perfect because if you don't, you may not get the astronaut back or that building may collapse. There's no room for tolerance in sports. Every game is to be played according to the rules and everybody is to play by the rules. Now, nobody disagrees with that. You say, absolutely, Pastor. When it comes to mixing chemicals, we ought to be intolerant. And when it comes to playing by the rules, we ought to be intolerant. And when it comes to mathematical equations and somebody's life depends on how accurate you are, we better be intolerant. But isn't it interesting that when it comes to the great moral issues of our day, we're told, be tolerant. Don't make waves. Read my lips. I make no apologies whether we're talking about salvation or sexuality, marriage or morality, prosperity or poverty, about what is right and what is wrong. For me, the word when it comes to truth is not tolerance. The word is truth. Truth. Simple truth. Now, let me make something else plain. I defend the right of anyone to believe whatever they want to believe. That's why we live in a free country. I even defend the right for people to say whatever they believe. Here's the problem. 
Everybody is entitled to their own beliefs. You're not entitled to your own truth. You can believe whatever you want to believe. I defend that right. I don't defend your right to say, if I believe it, it must be true for one simple reason. Believing doesn't make it true. Because belief is not what ultimately matters. Truth is what ultimately matters. Simply believing anything is not true. In fact, let me make something plain. <laughs> this book is not true because I believe it. I believe it and preach it because it's true. I'm entitled to my beliefs. I'm not entitled to my truth. And if this book corresponds to reality, I must tell it like it is. You know, I found something. As I've told you, I don't do a lot of counseling because I'm not a very good counselor. I'm just going to kind of let you right now. My shingle's not out. I've told you before, if you come to me depressed, you will leave suicidal. I've told you that before. I am not a good counselor. Okay, I'm just telling you, that's just not my strength. But I'll tell you something I've learned in all the years I've done, the little counseling that I've done. When people come to see me, you know what 99% of the people want when they walk into my office? They're wanting me to justify what they want to do anyway. They're wanting me to justify what they want to do anyway. And I've discovered the problem with most people is not in finding the truth, it's in facing the truth. Most people can find it, they don't want to face it. Jesus said, we must not only accept the truth, we must uh, affirm the truth, we must accept the truth. Now, here's the last thing Jesus said. We must apply the truth. We must affirm the truth, then we must accept the truth, but then we must apply the truth. And you say, okay, what does that mean? All right, listen to what Jesus said. In order to know the truth, the real truth, you've got to know the one who is truth. And Jesus said this in this conversation, conversation verse 31, and I want to go back and repeat it. To the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, he didn't say, if you affirm that what I say is true. He didn't just say, if you accept what I say is true. Listen to what he said. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. What did Jesus mean? When you hold to something, that means you live it. That means you guide your life by it. That means in every situation, you apply it to whatever situation you are in. You put it into action. Because see, it's not enough just to learn truth. It's not even enough just to look for truth. If truth is going to do in you and for you what truth ought to do, it, you must live by the truth. Because all listen, the greatest truth in the world is totally useless. Even if you believe it's true, even if you accept it's true, it is useless if you don't live by it and apply it to your life. Truth is not just for, head, for the head. Truth is for the heart. Here's the way it works. The mind learns the truth. Then the heart loves the truth. And then your will lives the truth. That's when truth is really, that's when the power of truth really gets going in your life. I learn it with my mind. I love it with my heart and I live it with my will. That's what it means to know the truth, and that's what Jesus meant when he said, then you will know the truth. That means when you affirm it, and when you accept it, and when you apply it, then the truth will set you free. I was just to learn something. I love learning new things, and I learned this last week, didn't even know it. 
You know, we talk about absolute truth. We've all heard that, you know. You, you, by the way, you've heard, you know, people say sometimes, there's no such thing as, an absolute, as absolute truth. You know, you know how ignorant that is because that statement is an absolute truth, right? So you can't really say that. You know, there is such a thing as absolute truth. Here's what I didn't know. The word absolute comes from two Latin words. The word ab means from, and the word salvere means to set free. So guess what? The word absolute literally means to set free from. And that is exactly what absolute truth does. It sets us free. We say, from what? In all my years as a pastor, can I tell you something that I found universally to be true? By the way, it's true about me. I have yet to meet anybody in all, and I've met tens of thousands of people, maybe even more. I have yet to meet anybody or know anybody, including myself, that didn't need to be set free from something. I promise you, I'm talking right now to a room full of people and many of you know who I'm talking to, and you, you're, you're saying, right, yeah, I know what I need to be set free from. I don't know what it is, but I've never met anybody that didn't need to be set free from something. Maybe you're locked in the prison of pride. You think you're kind of better than other people. Or, or maybe you're confined in the jail of jealousy. Or maybe you're chained in the bondage of bitterness. Or maybe you're caught in the guardhouse of guilt. But once you know the truth about sin, and once you see that sin is the warden of all of our prisons, once you learn the truth that on your own you will never get out of that prison that you're in, once you realize that all the keys you have tried to get out of your jail, the keys of drugs and sex and money and success and stuff and religion are your best effort, won't work. Once you finally wake up and learn the truth, there's no escape hatch from the, from the prison that I'm in. Then once you learn that and you turn to the truth about Jesus who is the truth, who can unlock any door and can redeem you from any sin, that truth will set you free. That's what I learned. It, it took me a long while to learn it, even after I became a believer. James, you'll never get out of this prison on your own. There is no key you can find in your pocket that will unlock that door. Only Jesus who is the truth and only the truth of Jesus can set you free free. Some of you are old enough to remember, and it's a shame all these great men that, you know, go by. I've learned that as you get older, you know, people don't know or they've never heard of. I mean, it's really amazing. Fewer and fewer, many of our younger generation, they don't, they don't even know who Billy Graham is. Can you believe that? They, they've never heard of Billy Graham, you know? And, you know, it's, it's amazing all the people that we grew up with and we thought everybody knew that as you get older, people forget and they don't know anymore. Well, some of you may be old enough to remember the great radio commentator, Paul Harvey. And, and, and I, love, I love to listen to Paul Harvey. I love, you know, he, Paul Harvey, by the way, was a very strong believer and believed in absolute truth, by the way. Well, Paul Harvey tells this story. It's a great story. He told this uh, of an experiment. It was involving a, a chimpanzee. And, and scientists were determined to teach this chimpanzee to write and communicate on paper. So for 14 years, these scientists labored diligently and patiently with this chimpanzee. And, and, and they were providing certain things. He was in a cage. And, and, and they would give him things in this cage. They'd give him pens and pencils and paper. And they'd give him pictures of the alphabet. And they, they'd give him everything they knew to try to help him start forming certain syllables. Well, finally, the day arrived when it seemed like the chimpanzee was going to write an entire sentence from the symbols that he'd been learning. 
And word got out and scientists flew in from all over the world and gathered around this cage. They watched breathlessly as symbols were formed into words and words were formed into a sentence. And the, the, the monkey, was the, the chimpanzee was just writing furiously. And at last, the first message from the world's most pampered, cared for, patiently trained chimpanzee in history was about to come forth. The scientists could hardly contain themselves as they pressed their faces around that cage to read the history-making sentence that this monkey had pinned out. The first sentence ever written by an ape. And what had he written? Three words. Let me out. There is one, there is one who has the power and the ability to let anyone out of any prison. And it's not just the one who speaks the truth. It is the one who said, I am the truth. Atheism denies truth. Agnosticism doubts truth. Relativism debate, or ra ra rationalism debates truth. Humanism degrades truth. Relativism dilutes truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. And the only way you will ever know the truth is to know Jesus who is the truth. Let me tell you why this is so important. If you reject Jesus, and many people do, I was brokenhearted in a way this week to read about Hugh Hefner dying. And I thought about the famous definition of hell. Hell is truth seen five seconds too late. And I thought about Hugh Hefner, who lived all of his life based on a lie. Because if you reject Jesus, listen, if Jesus is the truth, if, he's, if he told the truth when he said, I am the truth, that means if you reject Jesus, that means you live your whole life based on a lie. Because you will either see the truth in life or you will be shown the truth in death. So what's the next step? Say, okay, pastor, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of buying what you're selling. What do you want me to do? Well, here's what I'm gonna, this is your homework. Every person has not only the right, every person has the responsibility to decide how you're gonna live your life. And I defend that right. I want to tell you what happened to me. I was in the shower this morning and I was going over my message, which I do all the time. And um, you guys, excuse me, this is not in my notes. I wish it was. I wish I could put it up on the PowerPoint, but I just thought about it this morning. And, and I started not, to, not, started not to say it. And I thought, no, you know what? I, and the reason I'm saying it's so good is not because it came to me, it came from the Lord, so I'm not bragging on me. But I said, that's just too good. I'm in the shower and it hits me like a ton of bricks. Everybody's going to live their life according to one of three standards. Everybody that's listening to me right now, whether it's by TV, internet, computer, other campuses, whatever, everybody lives their life basically according to one of three standards, okay? Some people live their life according to what I call the cultural standard, all right? That's the way of, that's the Hollywood way, the cultural standard. Hey, if the culture says it's okay, it must be okay. If it'll make me popular with my buddies, I'm going to buy into it. If it'll keep me from being criticized by the culture, I'll do it. If it'll help me get ahead in my job or my business, if it's politically expedient, if it'll get me votes, or it'll make me money in my business, I'll, I'll go with it, okay? So they live according to this cultural standard. I call it the Hollywood way because Hollywood loves to set the culture for us, okay? Some people want to do that. Some of you may do that. that that's why I'm going to live my life. 
You know, if it was wrong, if, if, if the culture said it was wrong 40 years ago, then I say it's wrong. If the culture changes this mind, I'm going to change my mind. That's the way some people live their life. Then some people live their life according to what I call a personal standard. This is the Hugh Hefner way. I'm going to live my life my way. I don't care what the culture says, what the church says. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going, to, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. It's my life. I don't have to answer to anybody else. It's my life. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, go where I want to go. I'm going to say whatever I want to say. I am my own creed. I am my own boss. I am my own policeman. I own my own sheriff. I'm going to do what I want, and I don't really care what anybody else thinks about it. And some people may live that way, and they do. So you've got this cultural standard. I'm on whatever the culture says, I'm in. You've got this personal standard. Whatever I say, I'm in. So you got the Hollywood way and you got the Hugh Hefner way. And then there's a third way you can use your, live your life. It's not by a cultural standard. It is not by a personal standard. It is by a scriptural standard. This is heaven's way. Hollywood, their way is if the culture says it's right, it's right. Hugh Hefner way, the personal way, says if I say it's right, it's right. But the scriptural standard, heaven's standard is if God says it's right, it's right. Now, so what do you do? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you want to live your life according to the truth, the real truth, I'm going to ask you to begin to study and read this book of truth and apply it to your life or someone's else's life that may need it. So let me get real personal. Take the situation you're in right now. When I say the situation, I don't even know what situation I'm talking about, but you do. You're in a certain situation. And maybe you know that you're not living the way you ought to be living in that situation. Maybe you know you're not doing in that situation what you ought to be doing. Not because culture says it's right or wrong, not because you say it's right or wrong, but because you either do know or you need to find out, and you probably do, God says it's wrong. I'm asking you to do one thing this week. How would your life change this week if you were to take just one truth and start living by that truth and applying it to your life? For example, for some of you, your relational life would change if you did that. For some of you, your financial life would change if you did that. For some of you, your marital life would change if you did that. For some of you, your personal life would change if you did that. Okay, so that's assignment A. Here's assignment B. Okay, so you're going to take the situation you're in. What truth from God would cause me to make a needed change I need to make in my life today? Or... What truth do you know? This is harder. What truth do you know that you need to share with someone else that you know is living a lie? What truth do you know that you need to share with someone else that could harm them or ruin their life? This week, uh, Wednesday night, Riley, our new student pastor, and I went out and made a visit. Sweet couple and, and, and her mother that, that started visiting our church just a few Sundays ago. He's from Maine, uh, grew up in an Episcopalian church. So let me just take those two things right there. You think this is cultural shock? You think this is spiritual shock? You grew up Episcopalian, grew up, you know, in the north. She grew up out, out in Texas. Neither one had really been confronted with the gospel. 
So I went to their home and, and uh, I asked to visit with them and they allowed me to come. So Riley and I went out to their home. Long story short, just lovingly shared the gospel. Both of them prayed and gave their heart to Jesus. Now, why did I do that? When I was sitting there at home, here's what I told them. I said, you know, there's a verse in the scripture that's always haunted me. And they said, what's that? I said, there's a verse in the book of Psalms that says, no man cared for my soul. I said, I want you to know why I came out to your house tonight. And they live way out in Alpha, I mean, out in St. John's. I mean, it's just way out there. And, and, and to get there, you have to go to McGinnis Ferry Road. You say, I don't know where McGinnis Ferry Road is. It's the road to hell. That's what McGinnis Ferry Road is, okay? <laughs> why did I go all the way out there? I could have been at home. I could have stayed at home. Didn't have to go out there. Why would I go out there and even share with them a message I didn't know if they would accept it or reject it? Because I believe in truth, the truth. And that truth has changed my life. And I am obligated to share that truth with others so it can change their life. So I close with this. 2,000 years ago, this little baby was born in Bethlehem. His name was Jesus. He lived about 33 years. In that 33 years, his life was absolutely perfect. He died on the cross for the sins of everybody else, and three days later, he was raised from the dead, and that Jesus holds the keys to joy and to peace and to fulfillment and to satisfaction and to salvation and eternal life. And if you ever come to truly know him personally, he will set you free. That's true for everybody, everywhere, in every age. Let's pray together.